hello, hello. You're listening to The Leadership Woman with me, Jill Savile. And there's no guest this week. I'm hoping that you really enjoyed the whole interview that I put out last week with Marcus Ball. Did you listen to his inspiring journey, uh, what he's learned along the way? And I can't wait until his documentary comes out in the autumn. This week, I thought I'd give you an idea of what I'm reading, what I'm discussing, what I'm thinking about. My life is spent with my nose in books and articles, trying to build a broader perspective of different topics. Remember the week that I talked about being a river and not a reservoir? Well, this is me being a river. Uh, There are some topics that never grow old and some new ones that I'm trying to get my head around. And today may well be a mix of ideas from the past week. Firstly, then, let's look at an old topic with a layer of COVID thrown in. Um, There was an interesting article on flexible working post-COVID by Sam Smethers. Um, I'm going to put all of these links in the notes so that you can look at the actual articles or books. She was looking at how organizations are responding to this relaxation of restrictions. And she gives some ideas as to what questions leaders can be asking themselves as they decide what's next. As I say that sentence, I think that that's very often what happens. Leaders sit and decide what's next. And I'm hoping to persuade you that there's a different way of doing things. For me, it's broken into three different ideas. So the first type of organization wants to get back to normal as soon as possible, wants to get back to what it knows. Usually that's the leader wanting to get back somewhere somewhere safe. Um, and no learning will have been taken from this COVID experience. Let's just get back to normal folks and, and do what we know. The second type of organization will decide to have a new system, maybe a mix of being in the office with some clear rules as to who uh, and when, what exactly is going to happen. A lot of time and effort will be spent on thinking, okay, what impact will this have? How can people have meetings and everything? The third idea, and for me, this is the the more courageous organization, will begin to have discussions with their staff, begin to have discussions with their teams about what has the pandemic made possible? What have they learned? What do they want to do now? We've just finished a book, actually, in the Thursday Influencer Group. Uh, That just shows what habit does for your brain. It's now the Tuesday (laughs) Influencer Group. Um, And we've just finished the Corporate Rebels. Again, I'll put the link in the notes. And one of the things that this book 
talked about. It was talking about new ways of working, organizations, self-managed teams, that kind of thing. And it suggests that actually, if you've got a change program, it doesn't, it doesn't come now with a one, two-year plan of execution with everything well thought out. Because you've missed the boat. By the time you get to the end of that change, something else has happened. What they suggest is that you just start with discussions. You start with small teams and experiments and focused on a question. A question, for example, how can life be better for employees based on what we've learned? And empower teams to try something new. What I learned over years in uh, the UK public sector, and I, I'm fairly sure this is the same for many organisations, is that you can have periods of centralisation, you can have periods of decentralisation, um, and they will both work, in fact, if the people working in them want them to work. So engage the people in the organisation in designing what they want for the future. Moving on then, my friend and accountability coach, Sarah Jesse, told me today that May was the mental health month. So let's think about something to do with how we manage ourselves. Uh, one of the topics this week in the Aspiring Leaders Group, which is the Thursday, <laughs> which is the Thursday group, uh, the book that we're working through is how women rise and one of the issues was how do we avoid ruminating ruminating you know it's going over something that's happened in the past over and over which exhausts us there are two sides to this as usual because yes we want to stop going over and over things but we do need to reflect on what we've done just not go down that rabbit hole of ruminating and having the saboteur of judgment. And in the book, one of the things to do was when we've caught ourselves ruminating, then we stop and we distract ourselves with another thought. And the other thing is to, to take action, to move ourselves out of this thinking mode. But I also wanted to bring in here positive intelligence I've talked about it before. Uh, Shirazad Shamin wrote a book, and I'm studying positive intelligence from a coaching point of view. He puts it in a different way. He talks about the judge, the saboteur that causes us distress when we think about a previous situation and we go over and over. And he says, actually, the distress of that situation wasn't caused usually by what happened, but more by our judge's reaction to it. So what does he suggest as a solution to this negative habit? He says that instead of looking at the past with this negative eye of the judge... We should use the technique of blameless discernment. So what does that look like? Discernment is looking at the state of things as they are now, but not attaching blame. So, for example, if someone in your team 
has been late finishing their last five projects, then you can simply state the fact that it's quite likely that unless something changes, they're going to be late for the next one. Now, you're making an observation and you can then move into what are you going to do about that discernment that you've made? How do you know the difference between blameless discernment and judge? Well, you'll notice the difference by the emotions that you're in. If you're going through a solution to this problem of somebody turning in projects late and the emotions that you're having are, I'm upset about this, disappointed, anxious, blaming the person, then you know that you're using your judge. And all of those negative emotions will be transferred to the person that you're going to speak to about it. Whereas if you are using this blameless discernment, then you're going to have more positive emotions because you're using things like empathy. You're going to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. You're going to be curious as to the reasons for this. You're going to use innovation to try to find some solutions to it. All of these things are positive. How that makes sense, it's clear. Uh, if it's not, or if you've got any comment to make, then of course, as usual, just put it in the comments box and I will answer you. Or I may even talk about your question on a future podcast. The third thing that I've been thinking about this week, in fact, not just this week, for the last few weeks, uh, we've got sustainable business as a topic that's in my mind at the moment. And it sounds a bit boring, doesn't it? Sustainable business. I'm trying to read around this subject. Um, so in particular, there's a book that I've just received called Post Growth by Tim Jackson. Uh, he's a university professor in the UK. He's been thinking about sustainable business for a long time. But most importantly, he is thinking about what comes after capitalism. Capitalism having raised many people around the world out of poverty. We're probably all better off than we ever were, sweeping generalisation. But he's thinking from a sustainable planet point of view, from a finite resources point of view, having an economic model that is all about percentage growth year on year, doesn't seem to match. How much longer can that model be sustainable? And therefore, what new ideas can we have for measuring success? He says that GDP is not a, no longer fit for purpose. So just to give you an idea, this is what I'm thinking about and I'm hoping that you as leaders, as future leaders, you've got an eye on the future. You've got an eye on, on what are the topics that are foremost in the world at the moment and what do we need to do about them? Now, we could put our heads down, as I've said, and we could try and snap back to let's do 
business as usual, or we can be adaptable. Remember, that's one of the top three skills that future leaders will need. We can be adaptable and start to think about these bigger issues and how prepared is my organization going to be when these changes come about. So I probably didn't intend to say much about that. I'm going to listen to Tim Jackson later this week. He's doing a webinar and I really want to understand more about his views. Um, so I'm going to leave it there for today. I'm hoping that it was useful. You've had some practical idea about this flexible working. What next? We've gone on to mental health. How can we manage our negative emotions and not ruminate and go down a rabbit hole? And some big picture stuff about what comes after capitalism. What are the next models for success? So I'm hoping that you've got enough there to think about for this week. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Woman podcast.